after Julie and Charlie um, so expertly talked to us, I, I don't know why you need me. <laughs> Amen, somebody said. But alas, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for this time this morning and for the wonderful gift of laughter and worship, and the wonderful gift of your presence here with us. Faithful saints, helping us to experience Scripture in various ways. Lord God, help us to again be met by your presence this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you will forgive the pun that I'm getting ready to make, there is a temptation for every preacher to use this gospel lesson today as an opportunity for us to talk about sin. Yet I have a feeling that you, if you are like me, already know that you're a sinner. Raise your hand if you're a sinner. Well done, almost 100% of us. And I have a feeling that perhaps sometimes we are too aware of our sin. I think at times we are so aware of our propensity to resist God in our lives that it can become debilitating. If you were like me, at times you, you are aware of it. You might not do much about it, but at least you are aware of it. And so today, what I want to do is not spend a whole lot of time rehashing the fact that you're just a bunch of sinners. But instead, I want to recognize that what Jesus offers us today is an opportunity to do something about it. Jesus provides for us today a model, I believe, in triumphing over our sin, our brokenness, our temptations, even though we will never do it fully. But in doing so, and in sharing this with us, and something that we can take from here and learn and, and put into practical use for our day-to-day -day lives of faith, He is also making a declaration about His ministry. About the kind of Messiah He will be, and therefore, what kind of ministry we are called to as His followers. But first, I want us to consider how Jesus' encounter with Satan serves as a guide for all of us in dealing with our own sinful inclinations for our own temptations, okay? So the first thing I want you to notice is that Jesus lived under the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you could, do me a favor, look over here to our Holy Spirit window. We have these up here for your learning purposes in church. Thank you to Conrad Christensen. And you will notice that on the right, on the far, the third pane, the one on the farthest right, you'll see Jesus being baptized by John. And what do we see at the very top? We see a dove. And the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So we are told that Jesus is baptized and that the gift of the Spirit descends upon Him. And friends, that same Spirit depend, descended upon you. That means as the baptized people of God, you have been given the gift of God's Holy Spirit enacted into your life at your baptisms. And just like Jesus, after his baptism, as he goes into the wilderness and experiences temptation, he does so with the gift of the Spirit. We are told that the Spirit led him into 
the wilderness. So the reality is, in our lives, no matter where we may find ourselves, under what frustrations, temptations, inclinations to sin, whatever that happens to be, for you in your life in these moments, know that you are not going there alone, that the Spirit is with you. So that's the first thing that we need to remember about our lives and how Jesus dealt with this, is He knows that He is a part of God's presence and that God's presence is with Him always. The second thing then we see is that Jesus' chief defense in any of this and all the temptations from Satan was the Word of God. He quoted from Deuteronomy 6 and he quoted from Deuteronomy 8. Each time that Satan comes at him, even at times when he comes at him with Scripture himself. Jesus denies him with Scripture of his own. Now, one of the things that we know about the Bible is that people can take different places in the Bible, they can take different phrases, and without the context of knowing what it is, make it to work however they want. We've seen that happen in some of the most sinful things that we've done in this world. Slavery, with how we have told... The gospel lesson we read today has been used to to put women in a situation where they're not considered uh, as equal to men. Um, I've always wondered about that text, though, is is that, you know, Satan isn't talking to the man. I mean, it seems pretty clear the leader's the woman, so I don't know. Maybe that tells us something. But the reality here is that text... The Bible has been taken out of context, and, and, and Satan does that. Satan does that for Jesus today. But Jesus understands Scripture, and so the Word of God becomes a defense for us. And that's what I would suggest to all of you, is how are you making and helping yourself to become acquainted with the Word of God? A little bit later today, we're going to recognize three people. Um, for the work they've done towards trying to learn more about the Word of God. And I hope that you can learn from from their witness. Because the more we understand the Bible, the more we understand the context, that it is the living Word of God, then it becomes defense for us in all parts of our lives. The third and final thing that we see that Jesus does is models for us and how we can deal with our own brokenness and sin and temptation in this world is that we recognize that we are guided by and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we can use the Word of God as our defense. And third, what we can do is recognize that there will be angels who will come among us and minister to us. Angels come in many forms. You, my dear sweet friends, are angels. Or you can be. You can be angels to those who are around you. We are called to keep our eyes and ears open for those people who God sends our way to minister to us, which reminds us that oftentimes the greatest frustration we have in falling into any kind of temptation is when we do it alone. Is when we shut out the rest of those around us. We try to fight things by ourselves. But what we have seen time and time again through wonderful communities that gather around people who are struggling, through the wonderful 12-step programs that are are part and parcel of our world, we see that community allows us to overcome our frustrations and sin and temptations. And Jesus is a model of that too. So in our lives of faith, as you take from this lesson today, please... 
recognize that Jesus is offering you this model to seek and listen for the Spirit of God to speak amidst your struggles, to ground your lives in the Word of God and its continuing living Word to us and seek out and trust the support of those angels who will help you tackle the frustrations and temptations of life. Now this is the first significance of this lesson today. But the second one, I think, is just as important, if not more so, because it serves as a moment of truth for Jesus. And it helps Him define what His ministry then will be all about. You see, in His response to the temptations, Jesus demonstrates the foundational values upon which His ministry will be based. Now, it may come as a surprise to you that throughout the temptation, Satan already assumes that Jesus is the Son of God. When he says, if you are the Son of God, that's not him questioning. It is, in the nuance of the, of the particular verb tense in the Greek, is this. is that if you are the Son of God, and I believe that you are, is his question. You see, what is at question here is not whether or not Jesus is the Son of God, what is at question is what's the character and nature of His Messiahship. That's what's at question here. Satan knows Jesus is who he says he is and who he will be. But he's trying to get him to be a Messiah that Satan wants, not the Messiah that the world needs. And in his denial of the three temptations, Jesus makes clear that his ministry, what his ministry will be characterized by. Now, here is what it will not be characterized by. The first thing is that Jesus' ministry will not be characterized by performing miracles on command or for simply personal glory. As Julie and the kids showed, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with satisfying hunger. In fact, how many times in Scripture does Jesus, in fact, Feed hungry people. But notice, Jesus does so out of compassion. Out of mercy for satisfying a human need. He does it to show unbreaking of the kingdom of God. And He is not, nor is His miracle work, a neat parlor trick to show off to make Himself look good. That is not who Jesus will be, and that is not who we are called to be either. Notice as well, that Jesus' ministry will not be characterized by assuming that God exists to serve Him. Instead, Jesus says that He exists to serve God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, Jesus says to Satan. Jesus makes it clear that it is not God's job to protect us from the routine consequences of our sheer folly. But rather, it is to empower and equip us for lives of faithful Obedience. I think about this a lot. Especially when I bargain with God. Hey God, won't you make this happen because this is what I really want. Instead of seeking, perhaps, where is God in the midst of the frustrations and brokenness that I'm feeling? Jesus says, I am not here to have God serve me, but for me to serve God. 
Finally, he says that his ministry will not be characterized by seeking an earthly kingdom and its temporal glories as a political messiah. Jesus says, I will not be that. That is not who I am called to be. Notice that it is after this, this, it is right after this, that he says, away from me, Satan. And do you remember the only other time that Jesus called somebody Satan in Scripture? It was Peter. It was Peter when he told Jesus, no, your destiny will not be suffering crucifixion and resurrection. Get behind me, Satan. Indeed, perhaps what makes something anti-God is that which does not allow for humility, self-sacrifice, and doing that which may seem powerless, but in ultimately is true power. In both of these incidents, Jesus denies a model of messiahship that is divined by charismatic leadership and dominating ministry. Instead, these are the foundational values by which Jesus' ministry and life will be defined. Compassion for and satisfying human need, servanthood to God, and humility that does not seek one's own glory. These are the foundational values that are summed up when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as ourself. And perhaps, brothers and sisters, the greatest temptation that any of us ever face is the temptation to seek our own satisfaction at the expense of others. Which explains why we fall into so many other temptations. Yet. And don't you just love the word yet? I'm convinced that yet is one of God's greatest gifts to us in our lives of faith. Yet. As we trust the promise of Jesus, the promise of love rooted in our baptism, you know what, friends? We can dare to live amidst and through our temptations, our brokennesses, and sin just as Jesus did. And this is the renewing and the reconciling and the redeeming Messiah. The one that empowers us to live amidst our brokenness that Jesus chooses to be. So our call as the followers of Jesus is this. In your lives of brokenness and sin, seek and claim His voice, the voice of Jesus' Spirit amidst all other voices. Ground yourselves in the Word of God and find sustaining grace amidst each other in the community. And as we come together as the community of faith, follow the model of Jesus. Live with compassion. Serve one another. Model humility. For these, as our Scriptures tell us today, are the foundational values of Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.